Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from. Put your dead son in a cemetery. It's him or carry. Be very afraid. You'll be our number one I'm fan and one get day. carried away. All working, no play, you know it. Always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every nards? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Tonight we have a very special guest, Darkus Beasley. How are you doing this evening? I am doing superb, Corey. Excellent. Nice to see you once again. Yeah. Yeah, good to see you too. And for everybody listening, I know Darkus through IO and kind of the doing improv and stuff in Chicago and uh, normally we, I get a chance to talk to the guests a little bit before we start the show, but I have to hurry tonight and take my daughter to a volleyball thing. So, so we got off to a quick start. So how are you? It's been a while. I'm doing great. I've, uh, I've had a pretty busy day. Um, it's been, uh, it's been one of those Mondays, you know, uh, but yeah, I, uh, miss doing improv. I'll tell you that I, I haven't done any since the pandemic really kicked in, uh, last March or March, 2020. So yeah, I kind of, I've been missing out on that. I had a baby. Um, yeah. I had a baby boy in June of this year. So I'm a new mom. That's been, you know, a huge, uh, huge change yeah. <laughs> as you know, Corey. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've been just doing the new mom stuff. I just recently went back to work, so I'm just kind of trying to figure out how that's going to work and jive with my mom life. You know, just doing a lot of mom stuff, so yeah. Yeah, nice. And I know I was kind of talking to you about, like, back in June, because I wanted to try and get you on the show, and we were, we were like, kind of trying to plan a date, and then you were like, you know what, I'm, like, very pregnant and probably going to have a baby, so maybe we should wait, <laughs> so. Yeah. I just yeah. remembered something. Because Corey will like text me like a list of, of guests and movies and stuff, and like it's like the guest and then like the movie they want to watch. And I remember I texted him one night and I was like, "Dude, I'm on Amazon Prime and Netflix. What the hell is this movie called? Darkest Beast? Like, what is this movie? Because you hadn't chosen your movie yet, and so it was just your name. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? It doesn't exist." Yeah. So I was like, I was like, no, Brent, that's a person. That's that's my friend Darkus. I know from. Uh, but and then and then Darkus meet Brent. You guys met briefly, but Brent's a buddy of mine. We went to high school together, and we've been doing improv together since I was like fifteen. You know this. So all right, so yeah. ancient friends. Ancient, ancient friends. friends. Yes, we go way back. I had yeah. a tummy ache this morning. I like left work early. Oh no! But I, like I'm a teacher, right? I teach math, and like we're at the end of what we call a term. 
And so like I was, and my students have, um, they've taken their finals. So like, I wasn't expecting anyone today and I had stomach ache. So I was like, whatever, like, I'll just, I'll just tough it out. It's not even a big deal. But like, I found out recently there's a garlic processing plant, like right next to our building. And so like, it regularly smells like roasting garlic. Oh, and you're, which is and, not a, well, and you're, you're half vampire. So that's right. Yeah. And it's not necessarily a bad, it's not a bad smell. Like I would rather it smell like a normal room, but like, <laughs> but like today it was like, I had a tummy ache and then just this pumping of garlic into my classroom. Just like, I texted my boss. was just like, I, I'm going to go, man. I'm gonna, <laughs> like, I'm I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't sit in the, in the alone in a room all day. Nice. I can do that at home. Tell me. Well, as, as someone who was recently pregnant, Darkus, I imagine you can probably, uh, yeah. Sympathize with. Did oh, you did you absolutely. have any like weird smells or anything that set you off or? I mean, just my sense of smell being on like hyper mode for a good chunk of time was enough to like send me over any smell. Really, it could have been floral, meant to smell really nice, but to me it just didn't sit with me right. Um, you know, the fish in the microwave of the uh, you know the house type of situation was always just kind of nasty. It was just you know, just think about that times five and then yeah. race your butt to the toilet to, to do some, some bomb jobs. So <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was definitely not my favorite part of the pregnancy stuff, but you know, I didn't have uh, nausea too bad. I wasn't nauseated too, too many days, but yeah, the smell was, the smells were intense equally yeah. uh, in the same note there. It was also nice because whenever I would go outside for a walk or, you know, whatever, it was really awesome to just kind of smell the earth. Really <laughs> like in a way right? you never but have before. It's so nice. <laughs> smell the nice. earth. That's cool. Yeah. Well, you know, and my, my youngest is seven and my wife's pregnancy nose has never fully gone away. Like she still feels like she has a heightened, like kind of superhero sense of, and it's not like, like it went the not like the nausea from like bad smells went away, but she still has this kind of like like there was one time I came home from work. This is when she was pregnant with our first kid. I came home, gave her a hug or whatever, and she she like sniffed me and she was like, "Did you have, did you have a donut and a Pepsi today?" And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> you fuck? fucking weirdo!" Like, <laughs> you know, it's, oh my it's god. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, that's not something, luckily, that I'm dealing with now. Um, I do have a, I feel like a, not, it wasn't really pregnancy ears or pregnancy hearing or anything. I didn't have a, a good sense of, uh, of hearing when I was pregnant, but now I do. I feel like anytime my son is shifting in his crib or, you know, if he's in the other room taking a nap and I hear the just the slightest rustle of blanket or, you know, <laughs> fabric or whatever yeah. i hear it i hear yeah. it and everybody's like oh I, I didn't even notice i'm like yeah just, i don't know i don't know what it is supersonic hearing yeah yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> you have like the most adorable um cupboards above your closet or whatever is that where you keep your baby what is that what, is, <laughs> what goes in there it's actually um when we rented the place they actually advertised that as um <clears throat> baby closets oh nice so Yes, that's exactly where he is right now. He's taking a nap up there, and we've got, you know, we've got a couple of security things up there so he doesn't roll out, you know? Right. It's, it's, it's a good space. It's <laughs> right, good, and you'll hear him nice if he does space. move, so. <laughs> I yeah. like to picture, like, 
the airplane emergency slide coming out, and then <laughs> the baby just rolls down. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> His first words were, "Wee!" <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> nice. Well, Darkest, do you want to tell us uh, the movie you have you've chosen to uh, to go? It's one of my favorite movies. I'm I'm excited to talk about this movie. I love this movie. I always have. So. Yes, I picked this movie because I also love it, and it's very iconic. Um, we chose Ridley Scott's Alien, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 1979's Alien, just a classic, a classic piece of horror, sci-fi horror. So yeah, just dive right into it. It starts off on the on the Nostromo. You know, they're off. Uh, they're basically like space truckers. Right, and they're going, okay. and then they all like wake up out of this cryo freeze, and their computer mother has has woken them up because there's a beacon, like a distress beacon, coming from this planet. They've got to go check out, and then it all just fucking goes downhill from there. It's there's just no yeah. good after that. So where does where does the cat go? Who Jones? Yeah, like during cryo time. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I don't. It didn't really show up in one of the pods. I don't know. At the end, it showed in the pod. Yeah, at the end, end they, uh, yeah. Put, she puts the cat into the pod, but I don't see it get, uh, getting out of the pod. Yeah. Maybe maybe it was the one, like, running the ship and just, like, checking on things as they were all... Maybe that was the cat's job, was to, like, just watch yeah. watch stuff while they were all frozen. Yeah. Yeah, that fucking cat, man. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Although, it wasn't much help. There was that scene where it was, like, uh, what was that guy's name? Harry Dean Stanton, the actor? Who's great, by the way. He's one of the mechanics, right? When he goes looking for the cat and that alien, like, grabs him out of nowhere. And the fucking cat's just watching the whole time. It's like, meow. It's like, fucking <laughs> do something, Jonesy. Like, damn. Right? There's and no... the alien doesn't really... Yeah. <laughs> the alien doesn't go after Jonesy at all. No. Well, it doesn't. But then there's this point in the middle of the movie, towards the end, where Jonesy's in a cage. Um, yeah. Ripley's trying to take the cat under the shuttle with her and puts it in the cage and the alien sees it in there and is kind of like almost gazing at it in a, I want to say like an endearing way, actually. It's a weird moment, but yeah, I think everyone expects the cat to be sort of impregnated with another (laughs) alien specimen at some point throughout this whole thing and it doesn't ever happen, which, I mean, is there something to be said about that? I think there may be, but... Yeah, I definitely think the cat throughout the movie is this, like, aloof, like, it's almost a comedic character, really. (laughs) That's true. And then the alien sees it, I think, as, like, a prisoner of the humans. It's like, oh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, kind of thing. (laughs) Maybe it thinks they're going to team up. (laughs) There should should be, like, a scene where it's, like, it's crafted this alien technology and, like, like, beholds it to Jonesy, you know? (laughs) That's funny. Well, yeah, I think I think for uh, the alien to be so um, driven by I don't know hostility throughout the whole movie to suddenly be like, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna associate myself with this cat. Yeah, like, you, know, you never know. You never know. Doesn't really line up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They had a whole like Coco's kitten scene too. <laughs> There, oh, that's this is getting off on a tangent, but I heard that there are there are a couple people like uh, caretakers who worked 
you know, wherever the zoo where Coco was and they would like help take care of Coco. But they've like filed a sexual harassment suit against that organization because I guess <laughs> apparently from what I read, Coco the the gorilla was obsessed with nipples. Like oh, it, it had a weird thing with nipples, which what's whatever, it's a, it's a gorilla like who it, doesn't? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, A, who doesn't? And B, it's a gorilla. It doesn't know our social norms. But apparently the suit is more against the primary caretaker of Coco, who was like, hey, uh, if you guys could, Coco's, he really wants to see, or she really wants to see your nipples. Could you guys just show Coco your nipples? And they, like, felt pressured uh, by essentially their boss to show Coco their nipples. Oh and God. and so now, <laughs> so now there's a lawsuit, I guess. Oh, God, that's... <laughs> Was that, that like in the nineties? What's that? Well, Coco is, is that a real thing? That's that seems so wild to me that somebody would use a, the gorilla as an excuse. I mean, do you think that's really what was happening? I'm pretty sure that that's that's what was happening. But yeah, it's just such an odd request. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'd have to go back and and look. I feel like the primary caretaker was, and not that. Uh, women are incapable of like sexually harassing people, but I feel like the primary caretaker was a woman. Now I feel if it were a man, I would be more inclined to say, "Sure, buddy, you just wanted to see those nipples." <laughs> but the fact that is, I'm pretty sure it was a woman, from what I read, makes me more inclined to think that she was just so whatever with this gorilla. Like she really just crossed the boundary. Like didn't recognize that there should yeah. be a line, and the gorilla just doesn't get to see everybody's nipples. Like. You can't ask right. Your... So if you didn't show the gorilla your nipples, mm-hmm. like the behavior of the gorilla would be like, I want to see those. Yeah. Kind of, like right. Like, I guess. I mean, I don't know Coco, but Coco start getting a little crabby. Yeah, maybe <laughs> getting angry. I don't know. Or maybe he would have been yeah. cool. Maybe they would have just been like, no, Nick, no, Coco, no nipples, and Coco would have been like, okay, I understand. Yeah, signing. Mm-hmm. Coco signed, right? Yeah, like no problem. I'm fine with that. Like. No worries. Did you know that the size, the size of your hand, if you're if you're if you're deaf and you speak sign language, the size of your hand is is what your font size is. For Ooh. Ooh, that's that's a good one. That makes that's sense. A good one. Yeah. I read that today. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What if you have your nails painted? Is that like cursive or something? Oh, that's yeah. I wonder if you could go like get be like I want Times New Roman. You know, or like yeah. just go, like, can you do Arial font? Right. Oh. And then you get called a basic ass bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just like a neon sign. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's why I get letters on my nails. It just says, on one hand, it says basic. The other hand, it says bitch. That's so. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so anyway, back to the movie. Uh, it's set. I, I, I it's yep. set in 2122. So. When this episode comes out, because this is probably going to come out about January or so, it will be exactly 100 years in the future that the movie Alien takes place. So, there's so much to love about this movie. What are, what are some of your favorite parts about this movie? Pretty much just the whole dynamic of the ship itself being this kind of rickety disc flying through space. It's not, you know, if we're looking at 100 years into the future... What a future to behold, right? Right. Like this whole ship just looks like a garbage can smashed together with all kinds of hoses and uh, metal, and it doesn't necessarily appeal to the senses. So I think that's really what kind of sets it in this, like, horror realm, right? It's a scary future. Um, But I think 
beyond that, the characters are so bitchy. (laughs) (laughs) They're complaining throughout the whole thing about, you know, how much, how many shares they're going to get, whether they're going to get the shares. Mm -hmm. They're reluctant to go to the distress call. Um, and to do that job because they're really just trying to get home. I think there's this whole underlying theme of, you know, obviously capitalism being this like evil force in the world type of situation still a hundred years into the future. So yeah, yeah, there's a lot to it. It's really, um, awesome. Really. It it says a lot without being too complex at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that you know, because they were trying to get this movie made for a while. I think the script was bouncing around, but it was really the fact that Star Wars came out a couple years before this. And I think up till that point, like, most science fiction that where it was like humans in space, it was kind of the Star Trek lost in space, where it was almost kind of this, like, utopian, everything was, like, shiny and pretty. And, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't until about this time where you started getting this, like, dark, dirty, gringy uh dystopian kind of future at least in like mainstream movies and stuff and i really i think it was star wars you know when it kind of hit big they were like oh okay yeah yeah yeah, we got this movie we've got alien like let's go ahead and do this and uh kind of jumped on it but it but and i agree that because i think there were a couple writers who wrote the first version of the script and then there were two other writers who kind of took over and i know added like the whole ash android subplot like that that wasn't in the first draft and then you've got ridley scott who came in as the director and he certainly added his own spin including i guess the entire fourth act where because the movie in the script it was supposed to end where she flies off on the shuttle the ship blows up happy ending roll credits right and ridley scott was like no what if she gets on the shuttle and the fucking alien is on the shuttle. So that, like, that was all added, you know, at the end of the... So I, th- I think there are a lot of ways you can interpret this and what the movie's trying to say. And I don't know that any one interpretation is more valid than another because I, there were so many cooks in the kitchen on this, you know? Yeah, it's really a pastiche of a lot of different things. Um, you know, the, the whole postmodernism type of vibe for sure but on top of that Corey the the collaboration and just the the various ideas coming together and kind of molding it into what it is is it's interesting that um you know after watching this and you know there's obviously a lot of analysis based off of this movie and there's a lot of inspiration that went into it and that came from it um in the world of horror but especially in in the world of sci-fi I think it's just it's really interesting that it didn't really seem to have such a stable beginning um, and a really, you know, I guess pure type of uh, start to finish type of thing. I think it really evolved into something um, that maybe they didn't even imagine it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, and I just wrote, not that that it doesn't really matter, but I, I thought it was so interesting. Like one of the guys who, who wrote the original script, uh, was this guy's name? O'Bannon, Dan O'Bannon. He was like, I guess in an interview, he was like, I didn't steal Alien from anybody. I stole from everybody. And then, so there's like a list of movies I just wrote down because I was interested in it. But the thing from Another World in 51, it's like professionals working a job pursued by an alien, kind of in a claustrophobic environment. Uh, Forbidden Planet in 56, you know, they're warned not to go to this planet and then they're killed off one by one. 
Planet of the Vampires in 65. Heroes discover a giant alien skeleton, you know, similar to the, the, the space jockey they find on the planet LV, whatever it is. So I think it's, it's, it's interesting how he combined all of this stuff that he had seen in other movies and he took from other places. And, and then, you know, you get it in the hands of Ridley Scott who has, of course, he's a great director and it looks beautiful and he has his own take on it. But then also another component is, is obviously the art of HR Geiger or Giger, you know, HR Giger. And, uh, which added a whole, I mean, the whole movie looks like one of his paintings. So it's, I mean, so many different variables coming together to, to create this thing that I, I feel like was probably pretty new at the time, you know? Yeah. I definitely think that the alien in and of itself was, I mean, looking throughout, um, you know, historically horror movies or sci-fi movies, even in 79, earlier in the 70s, later in the 80s, really didn't kind of compare to that aesthetic because it was so, um, I don't know, just scary, really. (laughs) Um, There's so many things about it that, you know, it's not really ever seen in full and you only, you really only get these flashes and this like kind of metallic organic watery type of visual with it and bits and pieces so i think the mystery of it really adds to the to the to the fear of the movie um but yeah it's definitely iconic the the, the whole costume i guess there was a guy uh, who actually wore the costume mm-hmm. for the filming of the movie, who was like seven feet tall or something like that. So <laughs> right, like I think that's pounds. just so cool. Yeah, it's like, you know, you see stuff like that happen. And like there, there was a movie on Amazon that I saw uh, advertised. Uh, I think a friend of mine who's really into like B, C, D horror movies um, told it to me. It was like some preachers like fighting a dinosaur. Oh, okay. it's is it is it yeah. Velocipaster? Yes, Velocipastor. <laughs> that is exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I, I, you know, put that on and kind of waited for it to really get to a point where I was like, all right, I can watch this. And I didn't really get to that point, but I did find humor in the whole, like, first of all, the graphics and the way that the cover of the movie is designed is in no way, shape, or form anything like what is presented in the film, which is <laughs> fucking hilarious. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but the dinosaur is like, yeah, it's just kind of like a Barney, really. So, yeah. It, anyway, if you haven't seen Velocipaster, definitely dig into it a little bit. It's, it's definitely funny. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I forgot where I was going with that, honestly. But, yeah, the Velocipaster got stuck in my head there for a second. <laughs> that, well, I, this For some reason, and we've talked about this because we've already covered Jaws. We've already covered The Thing. But for whatever for whatever reason, those three movies kind of hang together for me because they all came out at about the same time and they all have this – they're all very effective because in Jaws and Alien, you don't really even see the creature. I think the Alien has like less than four minutes of screen time in the whole movie. You know, and Jaws is – it's somewhere – maybe he has a little bit more, but you don't really see him until the end. And then the, the thing is a little bit different because you, you really see it. But it shapeshifts, so it's different every single time, you know. So it's so you never quite know. It, it almost doesn't have a form either, even though you get a good look at it because those special effects are awesome. But it doesn't really have a form because it's different every time, you know. So that movie. there's also like a ragtag group of guys and mm-hmm. gals like that are gonna 
are, they're going to save the day too. You know, but yeah. definitely in the thing for sure. Just like yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like both yeah. movies have this isolated group of people um, kind of off doing work for whatever reason. And so they're just kind of like part of the same type of class structure, I guess, in, in a way. But they're also, um, you know, it's kind of like being in a, a haunted house in the woods type of setup, which is why they're, you know, they're not just sci-fi movies, they're horror movies. Mm-hmm. They're one and the same, really, in that context. But um yeah, the thing definitely creeps me out, mostly because I have this thing about, like, arachnids, um, <laughs> arachnophobia and stuff like that. Like, I cannot handle creatures with, like, leggy legs. And right. there's one part in the thing where the creature's, like, molded into this, like, creepy crab From type the head? Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Grosses me out. Yeah, I Gross, can imagine. Even for, I think it was, what, 81 that that movie was made, I was still like, wow, that's terrifying. I don't know. Yeah. I just can't deal with it. Yeah, no, yeah, that, I think that movie still looks great. <laughs> the thing it does, it does yeah. still look great. Yeah, I yeah, even, pretty... Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, I'm sorry. Um, I was gonna say, yeah, all three of those kind of also add like sort of like futuristic, like here's what computers will look like. Even Jaws, there's even like like the Fish Finder or whatever. But even like with Alien, they did a good job with suspense uh, in today's world. Which is like the alien is just like a blinking green dot on like a screen. Yeah. You know? And it is like even like, oh no, that thing's coming at him. Yeah. Freaking run with your flamethrower in like a, an environment with oxygen being pumped into it. Yeah. Well, there was there was one point especially where it reminded me of the thing because Tom Skerritt, when he goes into Mother, you know the character Captain Dallas? He goes in and he's like, what are my chances, Mother? My chances. And it just keeps saying, does not compute, you know, does not compute, doesn't. I was like, he needs the computer from the thing. Because in the thing, you know, Kurt Russell was able to be like, or one of the other guys in the movie was able to be like, you know, what are the odds? What's going to happen if this thing gets free? And the computer in the thing was like, certain death within 37 days. Like, the world will be. And I was like, dude, that thing could calculate the odds exactly. Like, the computer computer and alien can't do shit. Like. That's right. The, yeah, because we were we were talking when we talked about it. We we're like, oh yeah, Wilford Grimley, man, he got he got knows. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Yeah, they needed that, and that was that's like 1980s mm. like setting. That whole ship, like darkest, like you're saying, looks looks so like gross and run down. But then like the place that they stay in looks like the Holiday Inn of the future. <laughs> right. You know, these pods what? look like a lotus flower or something. <laughs> well, and. Yeah. The, that whole chamber, the medical chamber too, is like, oh sort, yeah, sort of a little more glitzy and glammy than the rest of the ship. Which, yeah, yeah, I thought that was inter- interesting. Well, there's that one part, like when when we talked about it a little bit earlier, but when Harry Dean Stanton goes and gets killed when he's looking for Jonesy, he walks into that room. Which uh, there are lots of movies. Apparently, spaceships in the future have to have a room where there's like chains hanging down. And water dripping, like it reminds me of. Have, yes. have you seen Have you seen Event Horizon with Lawrence Fishburne? Oh, yeah. I was like, I was For like, sure. apparently spaceships just have to have like a a rainy chain room. I don't like. I don't know what is that room for. <laughs> like this is our and this is our BDSM room on our spaceship. Like I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea what that's for. Uh, right. Yeah. And all the time, like every like twenty minutes mother the computer is like giving them like their black mold like update yeah (laughs) yeah you guys you really need to bleach the corners of that room bleach the corners (laughs) of that room 
Oh, he's man. just dripping out of Ash's face. He's just—he's not really a, a robot. He's just—he's just like smothered in black mold, just like pouring out of, oozing out of his pores. Right. You know, you—you you mentioned um, Forbidden Planet, and mm-hmm. I kind of had that thought too that um, Ash, because of the liquid that spews out of his neck um, toward the end of the movie, it kind of reminded me of like the Robbie character, the Robbie robot from. Uh, Forbidden Planet, it, you know, people asking it for specific things, whiskey, whatever. I can't remember exactly what comes out of that robot in that movie. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering, is that really just like the milk or something <laughs> that is served to the crew members? I, I wasn't really getting why the robot had this like liquid girth coming out of it. It right. was just yeah. insight, yeah. Well, and, that's... and it, was, it reminded me of the reanimator too when, it, when, it's, oh, when yeah. its head is off. Yeah. And what what they did to like transition into like okay now it's Bilbo Baggins like his face again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Bilbo Baggins head on a table. <laughs> and that movie is also just so wrecked. Honestly, that there's one part of that movie that I I cannot like scrape from my mind, and it's where they take the head and they place it in between those that woman's legs while she's like on the medical table. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Who decided that that was going to be part of the movie? Well, we, we talked about that a lot on our Reanimator yeah. episode, and what, not a whole lot, darkest. Not a whole lot, but <laughs> but that guy's. Like, I, I read that that guy's wife was on set, and she walked off, and they like got divorced. Like that <gasps> that scene ruined that guy's marriage. Is what, well, you know what? I I can't say I'm not surprised, really, because it yeah. was like you know for. I mean, we live in this day and age where everything is so graphic and secular. But that was really, I mean, jarring for yeah. even for, you know, my sensitivities now, which yeah. you know. Well, and, and, and we had this conversation on that episode, and I know the Evil Dead episode, and at least for me personally, it seems to be like other people too. Like, in horror movies, you can watch people get, like, hacked apart and mutilated, and it doesn't seem to affect at least me as much as, like, for some reason, and, and we've talked about this, as sexual assault. And I, and I think that it's because that seems like it's something more realistic that actually happens to people a lot. And it's, it's not as far removed from reality as like an alien (laughs) bursting out of your chest. You know what I mean? Right. But there's still so much symbolism, symbolism with that, you know, with the, the whole face hugger part of the alien that's really raping Kane's face Mm -hmm. or the fact that the, the, tentacles or the tail of the alien is like piercing it's like you know very phallic the head is very phallic there's a lot of sexual um visual there with the cost with the the alien costume but there's also that scene at the end where ripley's kind of like stripping down and she's wearing like the smallest pair of like, white underwear to- you've ever seen panties, yeah yeah <laughs> and she's climbing into that spacesuit, and you're thinking wow this is like it seems like a classic horror move where, you know, like the scantily clad woman at the end is brutally murdered by this sexual phallic monster, right? But that's not what ends up happening. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, I think it's it's interesting that the movie kind of takes that turn because there's so many horror movies where it's the opposite, goes in the opposite direction. And yeah. I, I do agree with you that, you know, obviously sexual assault and and all of that is such a prevalent thing. It really is something that happens um, very frequently in our in our world. So, is it that um, 
is it that jarring for people to watch? You know, is it really something that uh, instills fear in people? Um, I think yes and no for a lot of a lot of the reasons we talked about. Yeah, yeah. I read that. I read that they purposely chose. Uh, sorry, is the character's name Kane? The, 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 the face of yeah. That's yeah. his name, right? They chose. They chose a man to be that character to instill like a sense of uneasiness in 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 men in male viewers mm-hmm. as well because they didn't want to go through the whole trope that's been run down all the time of just like okay it's a woman that this is happening to yeah right well and and, I think and was- also on a lighter note the um, the, the face hugger uh they wanted to initially spray paint it green but then they had one of those moments like you were talking about Corey, like at the end of the movie like hey man but they were like yo man it looks so much cooler just the way it is <laughs> out of the mold. And so, and so they left it its normal color. Nice. Whatever the plasticness is or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That was a good decision. Yeah. Yeah. It looked, it looked, it looked great. It was scary as hell. Uh, yeah. yeah. They but, make hats like that now. You can wear, you can buy hats on like Amazon where you're actually wearing the face hugger alien. Oh. It covers your face in the winter. Yeah. Really? That makes sense. Yeah. I bet that looks cool as hell. <laughs> it probably, yeah. probably keeps your face warm. Yeah, yeah. But, no, but, but like the reality is, you're just being raped by <laughs> right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when you, when you get into the symbolism, but no. Merry Christmas. <laughs> well, I read I read a lot of interesting and opposing because obviously there's a lot. I mean, Geiger's work, I think, is inherently sexual. I mean, the alien's head looks like a big phallus. I mean, some of his work is overtly sexual if you look at his paintings and. But I, I read a lot of different interpretations that I thought were all interesting. And I think, Brent, you mentioned the fact that, you know, they chose to have it, uh, the face hugger on Kane and impregnate Kane. Uh, and I think that was for a number of different reasons. I think, one, a lot of horror up till that point was focused on, like, terrorizing women. And, and this movie, I think probably, especially at that time, and especially for men, got under their skin because it's, yeah, it's not only... Right that kind of like assault and um, violation, but in a very sexual way. And like, not only are they being raped, but they're being emasculated by being impregnated. And, and I mean, if you pay attention, like the first four people to die in the movie, it's all of the white men die first. Right. And then Parker die. And like, it's not even like the, the two women are what's, are what's left. So one thing I was watching was, was pointing out how, you know, it really plays into depending depending on how you want to read the alien, it plays into fear of emasculation and even like homophobia. If you read the alien as like an aggressive, like an embodiment of like aggressive toxic masculinity, right, assaulting these men. But but it pointed out that anytime you see a man or anybody try to assert like a traditionally male role. You know, like when uh, Parker wants to go after the alien, he's like, fuck, I'm going to go take that alien out. He gets killed. When Tom Skerritt's like, I'm going to go in the vents and sort this out. He gets killed. And even like... And the voice of reason is Sigourney. The whole whole time. Yeah. And even like, and even playing into, and you could even read it as not just attacking masculinity, but even like typical, normal, quote unquote, traditional gender roles is, you know, the woman who dies is, uh, what's her name? Uh, Lambert. Lambert. She dies and she's kind of your, falls into that uh, stereotypical role of like a screaming, hysterical woman, right? And she's she, played that role a couple times too, by the way. That actress? Uh, I think it's the uh, Witches of Eastwick, I believe is the name of the movie. Okay. Where she plays this like over the top, like crazy woman. 
and it's just it does that same like sort of acting that she does like when the alien is like coming at her right you know like in this other movie she's just like always like, like yeah <laughs> right yeah so I, I just thought it was so interesting and even like ash when he because he's fairly like out of everybody on the ship which uh, you know he doesn't he he out of all all the guys especially he's a little more uh not overly masculine you know he's he and so when he goes to attack ripley on this altar of pornography there are like naked pictures on the wall right and he right and i think this is an uh, this is part of his character's like love for the alien and his like you know, because he kind of holds the alien up. He looks up to the alien. I, I'm trying to think of a word, but I can't think of it. But so, in much the same way that the face hugger... He admires the alien. He admires it, yeah. In much the same way, way the face hugger attached itself to Kane and forcibly entered his mouth, Ash rolls up that magazine and tries to shove it into Ripley's mouth, not only, like, uh, mimicking the alien in his admiration of the Whoa. alien, but also, like... Again, filling this like aggressive, masculine role, and once again he fails at it. He's a he, he gets his head knocked off for trying to fulfill that. So I I don't know. I thought it was such an interesting like you could read it as, you know, attacking masculinity or even attacking like uh, let me not attacking but criticizing traditional gender roles even, um, which I, I thought was an interesting read. And I want to. It's a YouTuber. A lot of these videos. It's a YouTuber named. Max teeth and and a lot of this stuff uh, she was pointing out, but I just thought it was very interesting that you know you could read it a, a yeah. couple different ways. Absolutely. I think there's there's kind of a position too between the two female characters, um, Lambert and Ripley, where you have the one with the more dramatic reaction, the classical screaming, and um, I would I would say even the more feminine mm. of the two. Um, posed against you know Ripley who's uh more masculine I mean you never see either character wearing a dress obviously or you know up to the nines in terms of makeup and hair and all of that so there's definitely this kind of masculine presentation um with both of them but more so with Ripley that you get in this movie that I think um isn't really done in a lot of other horror movies I think there are a lot of other horror flicks where women are hypersexualized. Mm-hmm. um in addition to being, you know, scantily clad and, and dressed in dresses and very girly. And there's this, there's this femininity to it that isn't as prevalent within this movie. So I wonder if that kind of ties in Corey with what you were saying about, um, the men, um, being emasculated and, you know, this, there's this whole thread of sexuality and of gender, um, throughout this whole movie that I think is really, it's super strong. Um, and it's only buttressed really by the the art, the Geiger, the visuals, the alien itself, the ship. I mean, there's so much to it uh, visually, and then within every scene. So yeah, it's loaded with that. Yeah. Well, and and some other stuff I read that I thought was interesting is they pointed out how the the ship they go into on that planet with the space jockey in it, how it kind of looks like. You know, it's like U-shaped, like you could look at it, at it as a pair of spread legs and they enter through the middle and it's full of eggs inside, right? But then also, a, another read I read was, <laughs> like, not only is it like uh, maybe playing into homophobia, if you look at the alien as like an, an aggressive masculine, but also that, um, like, the head is kind of phallic. 
I, I read that people describe the mouth as vaginal, the way it opens and it's dripping, obviously. And then like, but then the inner jaw comes out, which is again, phallic. And so almost maybe even a transphobic read of the alien. But what, one of the videos I was watching pointed out that in the sequel, it's not textual in this movie, but in Aliens, uh, the, the sequel, there's like a bio of each character when they're like briefing Rip or debriefing Ripley and she finally wakes up and you can't really see it in the movie, but a screen, if you read a screen grab, it says that Lambert's character was a despin convert, which doesn't mean it seems like a fictional term in the, in just in the world of the movie, but, uh, a male to female transition at birth. So, and, and I don't know why it's not explained, I don't know what this means in the world of aliens and why maybe she was born intersex and they just made a decision on her part, but it is, it's textual in the movie aliens that the character of Lambert is a, uh, male to female character, uh, who was, who was transitioned at birth, which is interesting, you know, like why, what, what, what the meaning is behind that, you know? I wonder if they made that choice just to kind of really incorporate the whole conversation back, you know, just tenfold to add it back into conversation within the the context of that movie. Um, it's definitely unusual to hear that. I haven't seen Aliens in such a long time. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Did well, you guys think it was really funny whenever they were done with King and then they just like ejected him out of the ship really fast yeah like, like a, immediately it was like okay we're done with you and then the next it was like a smash cut and it was like shoot him out right? of his face and Dallas is like uh does anybody want to say anything and then no one <laughs> says a damn word <laughs> okay deal. right blast off <laughs> let's get this guy out of here he's tainted yeah yeah I thought that was hilarious <laughs> Yeah. Sad too, though. Sad. Oh, it was incredibly sad. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that guy, I didn't. Oh, really... oh, by the way, that guy's the same. The movie. Remember the comp, the Mel Brooks movie, Spaceballs. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I've never actually. I've never. I've never seen Alien until yesterday. Mm-hmm. But I, of course, when I grew up watching Spaceballs, Spaceballs as a kid, we like my brother and I like we like destroyed that VHS. And there's a scene in that that about there's a, a alien that busts out of a dude's chest, oh and it's God. the same damn actors. Yep. Both yes. of them are yep. In Hello, my baby. Hello, Hello. my darling. <laughs> Hello, my ragtime Yeah. Yeah. Send me a kiss for a while. Yeah. Yep. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that actor yeah. John Hurt. He was also the professor in the Hellboy movies. He was like Hellboy's adopted yeah. dad, um, and he was Ollivander <laughs> in in the Harry Potter movies. For anybody who, but uh. Okay. But, uh, oh yeah. yeah but did you do you guys do you i don't know you may or may not do you remember vine the app that was around a few years oh, ago yeah, yeah for sure we this was probably what 2013 14 right in there we created an account just as a funny thing for me to do with our kids where we we would like recreate oh. we would recreate scenes from famous movies right I remember this when you guys did this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we just did all kinds of silly stuff and it was mostly me and my, my two daughters. Cause my son was pretty, um, not born at the time actually, but, uh, <laughs> we, one of the movies we did was alien and we did this scene. We did the chest burster scene and I had an old shirt that I had torn 
and we had a, a Yorkshire Terrier, so I had my dog, like, come out of my shirt, right? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and so, but as we were, like, making this video, I leaned back on our table and, and like, put my full weight on the middle of the table where where the, um, oh, what's the part you put in the middle? There's a name for it. The leaf? Leaf, where the leaf goes, uh, and the table just snapped in half. <laughs> Just like completely broke onto the totally snapped in half, but so That's we more like a Chris Farley moment. Yeah, it absolutely was. But we we put it back together. We screwed it back together. It's still the same table we have now. But uh, but I I totally <laughs> totally ruined it at one point in time. So. Oh, that's yeah, I love which, that. Which my wife loved. Um. <laughs> but did you get the shot? The sh oh yeah we did yeah we posted the video yeah yep. it was good yeah okay we're worth it worth it. Uh, <laughs> is that somewhere? I'd like to see that. You got that saved somewhere? I think I do. I'd have to look for it because Vine Vine is not around yeah. anymore. But I think I do have the video somewhere. Oh. Um, I lost a bunch of mine. I did have a Vine account for a while, and I think I got like two videos from it that I that I took once upon a time. But yeah, yeah. yeah. mine were all really stupid, so <laughs> I'm not going to talk about any of those. <laughs> well, we knew the end was coming, so we downloaded all of ours. They're somewhere. Um. But, and this is all, this is kind of unrelated, but I kind of wanted to talk about, if anyone is interested, there's a board game that's not specifically alien licensed, but it was done by this company, and the board game is called Nemesis, uh, which I have it behind, I don't know if you can see it, it's this one right here, um, but it is a fantastic board game that really feels like you're in the movie Alien, like you all wake up in the middle and you're trying to go, like, things are broken on the ship, and you're trying to go around and fix them, but there's, like, an alien stalking around, but you can't see where it is. And then you all have a secret objective. So, like, most of you will be trying to get the spaceship back home, but then there might be one of you who's, like, trying to sabotage it and, like, destroy the engines and shit. So it's a super fun game. I highly recommend Nemesis. Because, Nemesis. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's like... So it's, if you, you're kind of like the Ash character... Where you're trying to kind of take sides with the alien type of thing. It kind of sounds like uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf a little bit. Have you guys ever played that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Not to totally derail your story. <laughs> your story. <laughs> no, it's, it is where you're like, there's potentially one person who's the traitor, and then the rest of you are all working to get oh. home. Yeah. Yeah, those yeah. games are yeah. fun. I love those games. Yeah. <laughs> those, are, those are like the pandemic games. Yeah. <laughs> right. You ever play those? Yeah, play those with big friends. Like, yeah. My wife and I would do that. <laughs> but then there's also I and I never I played video games all the time when I was a kid. Um, but then pretty much after I moved out of my mom's house, I really just haven't had a lot of time to play video games. This was games. a year ago. This was a year ago. Yep. And uh, so I love <laughs> video games, but I, I never play them. But I, I did for a while played about halfway through the game Alien Isolation, which it's such a cool game. Like you're this character. It's actually Ripley's daughter. Like, 15 years after the first movie, she's, like, going and looking for the flight recorder from the Nostromo. And she gets to the space station, and it's totally wrecked. She get, she ends up there by herself, and she's, like, creeping through this dark, destroyed space station. And there's an alien running around. So it's not a lot of fighting. It's a lot of, like, sneaking around, trying to fix things, and, like, avoid this alien that's trying to hunt you down. And, uh... It's pretty fucking cool. And they got a lot of the actors, Sigourney Weaver, pretty pretty much all of the actors, Tom Skerritt, Harry Dean Stanton, to come back and do voices for that game. 
Uh, and, oh, that's pretty cool. In various recordings. Yeah, so it's a pretty fun game. Awesome. Yeah. What, you know what, what else was awesome? Do you, remember the, do you remember the TV show Alien Nation? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. In the 90s, there was a TV show called Alien Nation, and it, 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 it like felt like, like Grey's Anatomy. But like if Grey's Anatomy had aliens on Earth wearing business suits and like suturing you up. And weird heads. It was like, it was like it's like a normal like TV drama, but like there were people with aliens with like weird heads. Yeah. I, I need to I need to look into this. I actually was um, terrified of aliens uh, growing up. I actually we went to the theater to watch Independence Day. Okay. Um, which I was born on the Fourth of July, so I felt particularly excited about the title of this movie. Went watched the movie and then slept walk for an entire week following. Um. My mom told me that I had, like, these nightmares where I was just getting out of bed and, like, coming into a room and telling her that aliens were, like, in the kitchen. It's just, like, really crazy dreams about aliens. And I, You were, like, you know. <laughs> jostling her a bit in her bedroom and saying, welcome to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Earth, bitch. Pop. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't mean that you punched your mom. <laughs> no, no, no punching, no punching was done. I did jostle her awake though a couple nights that week, and she she said she was worried about me because I was talking in a way that made her think that I was awake, but I had no recollection of it the following day. So definitely terrified of aliens growing up. So I need to kind of recap on my alien, my '90s alien stuff. I I gone back and watched uh, the X Files quite a bit, so I can enjoy that now as an adult. <laughs> Nice. Well, I, yeah, I totally, I, I've told Brent before, but like 2012 was like, there was just a lot of death for me in 2012. Right. So I, after that, like during that year and afterwards for a few years, horror movies or really anything with any kind of like realistic, believable death was like, just not very, I wasn't interested in it. Wasn't something I was interested in watching. And then so it's, so it's been, you know, in the past few years that that's kind of worn off and I can once again, like, enjoy horror movies and enjoy, um, but yeah, so I don't know. I totally, uh, sympathize with 90s Darkest because, because yeah, there, sometimes, uh, you just, you just don't want to handle shit, so. That's absolutely, I mean, that's true to my life right now. I think ever since I, I had Dante, my son, um, almost cool six name. months ago, I've had this aversion to horror movies too, where I, you know, there's a lot of maternal characters. There's a lot of children involved in horror movies. There's a lot of, um, physical harm that comes to those characters. And so it kind of, it gives me this level of anxiety that I've never experienced before. So it's definitely, it changes you. Yeah. It does. And it's, it's wild. I never once thought while I was pregnant, like, oh, I'm not going to be able to enjoy horror movies in, in the same way. But it is true for some uh, movies that I've seen since then that, you know, it, it makes me uncomfortable. It definitely plays on my anxieties as a mom. So I definitely understand, uh, Corey, what you're saying about not being able to watch them for a while. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and especially, especially movies where like kids get hurt or terrible things happen to kids. Like I, that fucks with me a lot more than it used to, you know, Damn. like yep. a lot more than it did, you know, 15 years ago. So it's horrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys actually horrible. feel like you've, you've changed your, um, your behavior while driving. Like oh, I mean, this, this has been something that's changed to like, you know, like 11 years ago for me, but, but like, I'm a totally different driver than I, than I am before kids. Yeah. Everything is just so like, I never, I'm never in a hurry. Everything's just like, you know, 
they can go. I'm a defensive. I, I, I still drive probably faster than I should a lot of the time. But <laughs> but I am I feel like I'm I don't take risks like I would have when I was used to. Like I'm not gonna fly through a light that I don't know. I, I, I certainly take fewer risks than I did when I was younger, yeah. Yeah. Hit darkest one time when we were in high school. I, 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 we, we took the same route to school, like him and I. And I, I was driving to school, and I pull up, and it's Corey on the side of the road. His car has been broken in half. What? Yeah, torn and in a, half. a school bus had T-boned him. Yeah. No. And just, like, tore his car in half. Yeah. And he was on the side of the road. Right yeah. Every, everything in front of where I was, like, the, I had the steering wheel and the windshield, and then everything in front of that was was over there. <laughs> Were you okay, my God? <laughs> I, I was fine. I missed I missed two periods of school while I dealt with that, and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to school now. Like, uh, I don't. Oh my God! Yeah, I was like, I was like, I just want the rest of my day to be normal, so I'm just gonna go to oh school now. So your poor mother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, but that's like the last serious accident I've had ever since then. So not, knock on wood, I haven't had any kind of accident in, I don't even know, 13, 14, 15 years, something like that. It's been, that's it's been good. yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a good streak right now. So hopefully we'll, that'll continue. You better knock on some wood or something. I know. Right. <laughs> I actually, I work with a guy, um, and I, I'm just saying this like casually, like, yeah, some guy, but no, uh, physician, Dr. Uh, Bud Baldwin, DeWitt Baldwin. That's a great name. He is, I believe he's 99 years old now. He still works um, at uh, the ECGMEs where I work, and he's still employed there and still shows up. And um, he told me in an interview, we were, we were prepping to do a documentary about him and his work and his life. And in one of our interviews, he mentioned that he had recently, and this was, I think we were, we recorded this in 2019 when we were still in the office, um, that he had recently gotten to a, a car accident at that point in time. And he told me that the, the last one that he had gotten into was in 1952. And I was thinking, good God. <laughs> that's a good, good run. God. That's a good run. That, that's yeah, longer yeah. than most people have been alive. <laughs> so, if you survived a car accident in 1952, you're immortal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that yeah, that's what strong. happened. I'm, I'm just so stunned that this guy, this man is still working, he's, you know, and like contributing significantly to the organization. But he's he's got so many awesome stories. Not, not I mean, the car crash stuff is obviously not an awesome story, but... I mean, can you imagine, like, driving down Michigan Avenue, which is where our office is located, um, and then seeing somebody that looks like they're about 98, 97, 98 years old and just, like, oops, he pulled out on, in front of me and being like, why is this guy driving? But then finding out he hasn't had an accident since 1952. Right. I'm like, He's still gatefully employed. Right. I, I hit a 99-year-old guy, and somehow I'm the asshole still. Like, damn it. <laughs> right? Next week, we're talking about 2005's The Exorcism of Emily Rose. So be sure to check out that movie. Get caught up before next week. As always, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Head Cannon Podcast, on Instagram at Head Cannon Pod, on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod, and you can always visit the subreddit r slash horror movie pod. 
Hey, y'all, I, I, I'm sorry. I hate to cut this short. I've got to take my yeah. daughter to volleyball. Um, so I want to go around and do our head cannons real quick. I'll dive yeah. in, and, and then I'll, I'll go around and ask you for yours. Mine is just really quick and silly. I feel like, you know, this this alien got in this guy's chest. And, well, what, A, I have to wonder, like, they didn't do any x-rays or anything. They were just like, oh, he's better. Let's invite him to dinner. They Like, hey, how did they not know there's an alien in his chest? But okay, whatever. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll glide right past that. But I feel like if only Donald Trump had been there in the future, I bet the alien could have been cured with ivermectin. Had they taken yeah. uh, horse medicine... And 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 taking that, that would have cleared the cleared the alien right out. They would have drink a little bee bleach, take a little ivermectin. You're fine. Just shine some light in your body. What's that? Just shine some light right inside that body. Shine some light in that body. Yeah, and no the alien goes away. It's no problem. It's like it's no problem. Just disappears. Clears right up. Right. Better yeah. by Easter. <laughs> yeah, be better by Easter. Alien's gone. No acid blood anywhere. <laughs> oh God. Right. Mine, mine was really uh, short and, and not really uh, very significant, but I, and upon watching Ripley put the cat into the pot at the end, uh, was imagining that there was some type of pit orchestra playing the soundtrack to the movie throughout the whole film, uh-huh. and that they were that she's just handing the cat to like the conductor at the end because it was it disappears in a weird way, and so that thought crossed my mind. But then to the um, the fluid coming out of Ash, I was thinking, is that the milk that the crew has been drinking this whole time, and Whoa. now they're gonna be thirsty you right. know just just a couple of ideas <laughs> that popped up. they're like has, has anybody milk ash milked ash today <laughs> right <laughs> has anybody milked no bilbo <laughs> he's gonna shove a magazine down your throat yeah <laughs> yeah i kind of i kind of thought about like the ending instead of like self-destructing the ship like ripley gets in the pod and just like goes mm-hmm. right sure jonesy's been infected and is going to wreak havoc on wherever Ripley goes. But the alien is still in the ship. And what I was imagining was that, like, the whole time, the alien has sleep apnea. <laughs> and just really cranky and really tired. Like, you know, like, the big, like, like, like phallic wiener that, that is his head. It's not really his head. It's, it's, a, it's a CPAP machine <laughs> that he has to wear. And he's got this, like, erector set. You know, like right. charging cord that comes out. See, no, he was. You know, there's like scenes. Well, he he'd have to have like a tiny CPAP for the inner jaw, and then a bigger yeah. CPAP to go over the outer jaw, right? There's so many, so much headgear. Double CPAP. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so like I think there'd be like some funny scenes of him like walking around the ship, <laughs> like trying to get a good night's rest, but like. He, but his body is not like the, the the appropriate size for like the pods, right? And and then like and, and like and like Jonesy is like has been using it as like a litter box, <laughs> kind of thing. It doesn't look like a futuristic litter box, you know. <laughs> and it's just like him just being curmudgeonly like you know like uh, the odd couple almost between him and Jonesy. You know? <laughs> I'd watch that surviving TV show. until they what? I'd watch that TV show, The Alien and Jonesy yeah. as the odd couple. Yeah, a couple, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Well, I yeah. got to get going, y'all. I wish we could stay and yeah. talk talk longer, Darkus. Uh, it was always a pleasure. Are you frozen? Are you still with us? <laughs> She's done. Well, we'll say goodbye to her later. This has been Head Cannon. Yeah!
Frozen right at the end. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> All right. I'll see you. Have fun at volleyball. <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.